I was walking around uh, this evening singing Christmas songs and uh, was thinking about some of the songs I was singing were songs from uh, when I was younger and thinking, man, this is a completely different time this year than it has been for me in the past. And I know it's been a different time for many of you as well, hasn't it? This has been a difficult year. And uh, not just for us, uh, but around the world. It's been a global impact that we've all been working through and learning different lessons. And and it hasn't been an easy year. It hasn't been easy for us to keep our faith and our feelings lined up this past year, has it? You know, I mean, is, it, uh, is anyone feeling a complete sense of joy, of hope, of peace? I know for me it's cyclical. But, uh, you know, are you experiencing those things now? Are you experiencing joy and peace and a sense of hope? And if you are, that's great. I mean, that's really a good thing. But my experience and what I hear others talking about is this is also a season for many that is one of stress and de-stress. You know, for many, it's a season of sadness and not gladness. You know, many are struggling with financial failure, isolation, illness, the loss of a loved one, and simply having too much to do. There's a numerous number of things that are causing stress for us as we move through Uh, prepare for the end of this year. But you know what? We don't have to feel that way. We don't have to experience those things. We can experience peace. You know, we've been in a series these last several weeks at Springbrook, and we've been looking at Christmas from the perspective of the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. Isaiah has been writing. He gives us a glimpse of what Christmas is going to be like, and we have an opportunity to step back and, and look at what that looks like for us today. You know, we looked at the fact that we have hope. We do have, we can have faith. We, we can have joy. Last weekend, last Sunday, we looked at the fact that we can have an experience, the fullness of forgiveness because of who we are in Christ. You know, Jesus is the real gift of Christmas. He's the promised Messiah. He's our Savior. And through him, we are brought into a right relationship with God, with our Heavenly Father, and we can experience peace. And that's what we want to look at this evening. We want to look at how to experience peace. In Luke chapter 2, an angel would appear to the shepherds in the field at night. In verse 10, it says that he said to them, fear not. Fear not, I bring you what? I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And immediately after this grand announcement, it says the sky would be filled with many angelic messengers. In verse 13 it says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. You know, it's almost as if one angel showing up for the announcement wasn't enough. The sky all of a sudden gets filled with a great company of warriors. This heavenly host appears. All these great messengers appear. A multitude of messengers. What is a multitude of messengers? Do you know what a multitude is? Sounds like a big number, doesn't it? In Daniel chapter 7, Daniel has a vision, and he gives us an explanation of what a multitude is. He defines a multitude for us. He says it's thousands of thousands. It's 10,000 10,000s. And the math is there. It's 100 million angels. That's a lot, isn't it? 100 million angels appeared in the sky. You see, the math is not the point, though, as biblical writers often do. In prophetic writing, they they pick a number that reflects an idea. It's a big number. In Luke chapter 4, the multitude is reflected of a number that is too great. It's, It's too great for us to count. It's impossible to count. 
these angels appear to announce the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. A great multitude of heavenly hosts appear, and they fill the sky. And in unison, a hundred million angels are all saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth among those with whom he is well pleased. That's amazing to think about a hundred million angels all making that proclamation at the same time. In their praise and in unison, they were led to declare a a proclamation of what? That there would be peace. Where? That there would be peace on earth. Among who? Among those who, with which he is well pleased. And so God makes this proclamation. In other words, on earth, let there be peace among those who are the object of God's pleasure. Among those who, like the angels, worship him and praise him. You see, peace... Peace is uh, something that is promised to those who are part of God's perfect plan in terms of he's called them into a relationship with himself. And if we have a relationship with Christ, we're numbered among the among with whom he is well pleased. Peace starts with God's perfect plan. It arrives on earth through Jesus Christ. And it comes to those who personalize that message. Peace is available to all, but it's only activated by those who accept Emmanuel, those who understand that it is God that is with us, and for those who believe and receive him. When God put uh, in his first glory, when God shows up, he says, peace is going to come. And peace is not something that's just wishful thinking. It's not some warm, fuzzy feeling that we're going to have inside. Peace is a reality. It's something that God promises, and it's something that comes to us through Christ. You know, while Christmas is a fun time of the year, there's absolutely nothing special about this season if one does not know the Christ of Christmas. And the precondition of our peace is to first praise and to worship and glorify God, like the angels are doing. The word peace appears over almost 400 times in the Bible. In the Old Testament, peace comes from the word shalom, and it reflects a state of wholeness, reflects a state of harmony in our relationships. The word peace is an important word for those Old Testament Israelites. When used as a greeting, greeting, shalom was used for an outward freedom from disturbance. It was a sense of well-being and an inward sense of well-being that came from knowing and being in a relationship with God. God's people in the biblical Old Testament era are people that were constantly harassed and put down and at war with their enemies. Peace was a perfect blessing. In fact, in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24, God gives Moses these words with a blessing to his people. He says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his consonant upon you and give you what? Give you peace. You know, peace is a blessing. In Isaiah chapter 61, our passage this evening, Isaiah is going to be writing specifically about a promise of peace that is to come. Isaiah will give us a glimpse of what that peace is and and where it comes from and, and how we can have it. Isaiah would write about a coming Messiah, a Savior that would come to God's people almost 750 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah 61 gives us a glimpse of peace and and the hope that is to come, a hope that we can now understand more fully because of where we are in this moment of history. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn with me to Isaiah 61. If you're watching online with us, there's a Bible tab down at the bottom. You can open up your Bible 
or you can follow along with me this evening. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 61, and let's read verses 1 through 3 together. Isaiah says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has what? He has anointed me to bring good news to who? To the poor. I want you to remember that, because we're going to come back and look at that in just a moment. He's been anointed to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. I want you to remember that. The brokenhearted are are going to be bound up. He's going to proclaim liberty to the captives. Who are the captives? I want you to remember that. We're going to come back and look at that in just a moment. And to the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all those who mourn to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. All of these things are going to be coming about as a result of the glorification of God. And the thrust of Isaiah's message here is that there is one who is coming that is going to bring good news to the poor. One who is coming that is going to bring this good news to those that are in desperate need, and he's going to bind up their broken hearts. You know, to bind something up means to gather it together, to bind or to tie or to wrap tightly. That word for binding in Exodus 29 is used uh, to describe that priestly headgear that was bound to the head of Aaron and his sons. In uh, Jonah chapter 2, it's used of the seaweed that would be wrapped securely around Jonah's head. In uh, Hosea chapter 6, it was used as a wrapping of a, of a bandage around a wound. You know, to bind something is to bind it up, to wrap it up, to bandage it up. And, and the image that Isaiah is giving us is that, that, that this, this broken heart is going to be bound. It's going to be put back together. It's going to be bound up. That there's going to be a Messiah or a Savior that would come, and he would bind up those broken pieces of our heart. And he would put them back together and he would make us whole. You know, what does it mean to be brokenhearted? There are many things that cause us to be brokenhearted. For each one of us, it's going to be something that looks different. But for the most part, brokenheartedness means that typically that we're maybe suffering or hurting from a loss. You know, maybe there's been a loss of our job, or a loss of a, a friend, or a loss of a family member. Many people are hurting from loss. Many people are overwhelmed by their circumstances. Maybe people are feeling put down by abuse or rejected by someone you love. You know, the Christmas season has a tendency to bring out the best and the worst in families and friends sometimes. You know, brokenhearted means sometimes we're buried in work and there's no margin in our life and we're, we're just trying to figure out how to make ends meet. Brokenhearted could be, you know, pain from physical ailments. It could be overcome by loneliness. It could be paralyzed by bad decisions. Maybe it's a feeling of being destitute because of sin and not knowing where to turn or who to talk to about it. You know, every one of us experiences brokenness in various, you know, forms. But the reality is that all of us, all of us are affected by brokenness. Whether it's physical, relational, emotional, financial, or spiritual. And you know what? We all experience brokenness in some way. Some people are better at, you know, masking it than others. Some people go through life and you just wonder if there's any problem at all, but we all experience brokenness. 
You know, there are some Christians that are able to process through their brokenness in the context of a trusted relationship or in a small group. And so, you know, sometimes Christians are able to process through their brokenness in a healthy way. But sometimes we have these camouflage Christians. They, they kind of go through life and they're hurting, but they, they hide it from others. You know, if you don't have an, an emotional self-awareness of your brokenness, then I want to let you know you are missing out on God's healing promises. We all experience brokenness. You know, maybe you are with us now and you don't call yourself a Christian. You know, maybe you're not even sure if you are a Christian. Maybe you've got questions. You know, maybe you're not clear if you're, what it even means to be a Christ follower. And for some people, maybe, you know, the idea of sharing brokenness sounds like weakness. I don't want to share my brokenness. I don't want to be vulnerable. I want you to listen. God offers every one of us God offers every one of you right now an opportunity to heal your heart, your soul, your mind, and to bind you together and make your heart whole. You know, listen with me to Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, it says this, Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as was his custom, He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. In verse um, 18, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Does that sound familiar? Because he anointed me to proclaim the good news to who? To the poor. He has sent me to what? To proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to do what? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And all the eyes on the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, I love this, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Isn't that amazing? Jesus took that passage from Isaiah 61 and applied it to himself. There's many passages in Scripture, especially as you look through Isaiah. Isaiah is one of the most quoted books of the Old Testament when you're reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the, it's the book that points with most clarity to the reality of who Jesus is. And Jesus reads that passage that we just read in Isaiah 61, and he claims it for himself. What Jesus is saying is that I have come to bind up your wounds. Jesus has come to bind up our wounds. It is Jesus that has come to heal our broken hearts. It is Jesus that has come to give us peace. And not peace from a world's perspective. I'm telling you, and we all know it, this world is so messed up. Everything is going to let you down. People, jobs, situations, everything's going to let you down. Jesus said, in this world, we're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. It's messed up, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In me, you find peace. You know, Jesus is is the one that promises us to give us peace. And there's a peace that comes about only a result of having a relationship with him and knowing him. Jesus is the one. That baby in the manger is the one that has come to bind up and to heal the brokenhearted. And there's at least four areas that Jesus gives us peace today. 
The first area that Jesus gives us peace is that we can have peace with God. There's a vertical relationship that we enter into with our Heavenly Father that cares about us, that loves us, and wants a relationship as a result of having a relationship with Christ. Before we understand this peace that we can have, we need to understand our relationship with God, and we need to understand that He is perfect and we are not. There's a, there's a condition that we all suffer from. You know, God loves us, He cherishes us, but He is filled with a righteous indignation, a righteous outrage, because we are also all sinful. You know, Romans 1.18 says that the wrath of God is being revealed from the heaven against the godlessness and against the wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. You see, recognized or not, people are at odds with God. If they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, God considers them at odds with Him. It sounds like a bad place to be, doesn't it? It is. It's a bad place to be. But the good news is this. In Romans 5.1, Paul writes that if we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The good news is this, that through a relationship with Christ, we can have peace with God. Colossians 1.20 says that Jesus reconciled all things to himself, making peace through his blood, through his shed blood on the cross. You know, we have a substitute that not only stands in for us for forgiveness of sins, but takes those sins on himself. And when we understand that, it gives us a a vertical, vertical relationship with God where we can find peace. Peace comes from understanding who we are in Christ. There's a peace that only he can provide. The second area that we can find peace, and that is something that happens as a result of having Christ, is it's internal. There's an internal peace that we have because of who we are in Christ and because of God's promises. You know, in order to have the peace of God uh, internally, we first must have it uh, vertically. John 14, 27 says that Jesus says, Peace I leave you, my, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. My peace is in you. The inner peace that we have comes from Christ alone. It doesn't come from our jobs. It doesn't come from our salary. It doesn't come from our relationships. There's an inner peace that comes from only having a relationship with Christ. And it's an inner peace that we have as a result of the vertical peace that we have. Inner peace is a gift from Jesus. And it comes to us as a key element of the Holy Spirit working in us. You see, when we ask Christ to come into our life, when we make a decision with our heart and with our mind to place our faith in him and to make him Lord, the Holy Spirit enters into us and we experience this peace. And the peace that we experience is in proportion to the extent that we trust him as our Lord and as our Savior. It's proportionate to the room that we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life. It's proportional to our absorbing God's word and applying it to our lives. There's an inner sense of peace that comes about as a result of who we are in Christ. Philippians 4, 7 says, the peace of God, which trans all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's an inner peace that comes from Christ alone. And then there's a third peace, and that's horizontal. That's peace in our relationships with others. You know, when we're at peace with God, and when we're at peace internally, 
it's then that we can be at peace with others around us. In Matthew 5, it says of the early Christ followers that they were called, they were, they were called and blessed as peacemakers. They were to be peacemakers, for they were children of God. He didn't tell us to be peacemakers. He said that we are peacemakers. As a result of this internal peace that we have, as a result of our relationship with Christ, we can bring peace to the relationships with those around us. Romans 14, 19 reminds us that it's our responsibility that we are to make every effort to do whatever it needs to be done to lead to peace and mutual advocation with those around us. And I can think of no greater time for us to be peacemakers than right now with everything that we're dealing with. You know, regardless of how you feel about masks, regardless of how you feel about politics, regardless of what's going on in your life right now, I want to encourage you, whenever those issues come up, the first thing that should pop into your mind is, where am I with Christ? The next time somebody asks you about your mask, ask them, where are you with Christ? The next time somebody has anything to say about politics, ask them, where are they with Christ? Let that be the thing that permeates your conversations. It will move you beyond the short-term expectations of this world. Everything is going to come to pass. Everything that you see, everything that you hear, everything that you touch, it's all temporary. There's going to be a point when Christ comes back and everything that we see is going to be done away with. And if you're secure in who you are in Christ, we know that there's a place prepared for you in heaven. And he's going to come and he's going to get you and you're going to return there. And and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Everything is temporary here. Set your mind on things above and be peacemakers in your relationships. If you think about the brokenhearted issues that you're facing today, especially as it relates to the people around you, purpose in your mind to claim that peace that God promises. Claim that vertical peace. Claim that horizontal peace and apply it to your relationships with others. And then there's a fourth area of peace. God gives us peace with regard to our relationships with other people. God gives us peace as we share the good news about Christ with other people. Did you know that the only way for people to be able to experience peace with God, to have peace inside, and to have peace with others, is for someone to tell them about Jesus Christ. That's the only way people are going to be able to experience peace. And so if you have people around you that are, that are confused, that are in turmoil, talk to them about Jesus Christ. He is the source of our peace. And if you're not absolutely certain that you have a relationship with Christ, that's a great place for you to start. You know, this is what I want to remind you of, you know, this Christmas Eve. If you have a relationship with Christ, if you have a relationship with him, his spirit lives in you. His peace is in you. And I want to encourage you this evening to claim that promise for yourself. If you are struggling Find a Christian friend that you can share with or that can pray with you. Get involved in a small group at Springbrook. Find a place to serve. Get connected with other believers that can encourage you in your faith. We need to encourage one another. That's what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And if you're a part of this body of Christ, don't go through this journey alone. If you have a relationship with Christ, nothing ever goes according to plan, but you're always called to focus on him. Stand firm and that hope that is within you. In Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but by everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
You know, next year we're going to be kicking off, at the beginning of the year, we're going to be kicking off a, a new Bible reading plan, you know, at Springbrook. And we're giving people an opportunity to, to pick up a journal. We, we, they're all gone from last Sunday. Um, we're going to have some in the next couple of weeks. But, you know, this is a great thing to put in your journal. Write those things down that you're struggling with. Lift those requests up to God. Find somebody that you can talk with and pray with you. And let that peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. God promises to give you peace if you'll only turn to him. And if you're not absolutely certain that you have a relationship with Christ, God's peace is available to you this evening. You can start experiencing God's peace right now. This world is messed up, and the only hope that we have is in Christ. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for us to bring us into a right relationship with his Father. Christ died to give us internal peace, to give us peace in our relationships with others, and to give us purpose in sharing the hope that we have in our lives with other people. You know, all of those things come about as a result of having a relationship with Christ. You need to know it begins with understanding that Christ died for you. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says this, For I delivered to you as of first important what I also received. I am sharing with you tonight as of first important what I also received. This is a timeless message. This is a message that Paul had for the early church. That's the message that I have for our our community today. It's the message that every Bible-believing church should have for a community that is lost and broken and suffering and experiencing brokenheartedness. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Everything that came about was a result of his plan. That baby in the manger was a result of his plan. Christ's death on the cross was a result of his plan. All of these things happened in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Jesus Christ came back to life to prove that he is who he claimed to be. And as a result of that, if we place our faith in him, if we receive him, we can be brought into relationship with him. In John chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, it says this, But all who received him, all those who understood that and believed it and received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called what? Children of God. You see, God loves the world. He loves the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. So God has given us his son so that if we believe him, we can become his children. There's a difference between the love that God has for you and your being able to be called a child of God. Those are two completely different things. If you receive him, though, you become a child of God who is born not of the will of the flesh nor of man, but of God. You see, the Holy Spirit is drawing people into a relationship with himself. And if you're not clearing your mind that you have a relationship with Christ this evening, the Holy Spirit is prompting you, is asking you to make room in your life for him so that he can come in and take control and give you this peace that is promised. That was one of the greatest gifts of Christmas is the gift of Jesus Christ, his son. And it's my prayer for each of us as we move through this Christmas Eve season that we reflect on the reality of the birth of Jesus Christ as a risen Lord and Savior. He's a Messiah. He's a Savior who gives us peace in every area of our life. And so this evening, I want to pray God's blessing on you. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord shine his face on you. And may he be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his consonants upon you and give you peace. If you are a Christ follower this morning, I pray that this evening, I pray that you are able to claim those promises of God, that God would fill you with the peace that is yours. 
And if you don't have a relationship with Christ this evening, I pray that the Spirit of God would draw you in to receive him tonight. You know, if you're watching with us online right now, you should have something that pops up that says, I want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ. You know, maybe you just want to pray and ask Christ to come into your life today. You can ask Christ to come into your life today if you receive him, and he will give you that peace that we all so desperately desire. And you can click that link. There's a place for you to click. I want a relationship with Christ. Click that link this evening, and then after you click it, there's a little button. Connect with us. Let us know of your desire to make that decision today if you want, or if you have questions about that, click the link and let us help you to understand how you can experience the peace that we experience as a result of our relationship with Christ. We would love the opportunity to celebrate that decision with you. There's also a place for you to collect that online connection card. Um, We'd love the opportunity for you to let us know you were with us this evening. If you have any questions at all for us, uh, you can click that connection card. We'll pray with you. Um, You can ask questions. Uh, We want to engage in conversations with people in our community. That's why we exist, is to help people experience the fullness of God's plan for them. And if you're with us here in person this evening, I want to encourage you. There's a connection card on the chair uh, next to you. You should have a pin there. If you have questions about our relationship with Christ in the back of that, there's a place to say, hey, I have questions. (laughs) Somebody help me. Or maybe this evening you want to make a decision to say, hey, I want to place my faith in Christ this evening. I I want to experience this peace that God promises us tonight. You you can just let us know if you desire to make um, that decision. Maybe you have questions about baptism. What does it mean to be a part of a local church? If you're here with us this evening and this is your first time, whether online or in person, you are a gift. And we're here to encourage you in your faith and to help you to become all that God has for you. And we want to encourage you to let us know how we can help you. Um, our worship team is going to come out in just a moment. and We're going to sing this next song together. Uh, and then we're going to have a special candle lighting seri- uh, service uh, tonight. So you've got your candles with you. But I just want to encourage you to be praying that God would give you peace as we move through this Christmas Eve season and through Christmas and prepare for all that God has for us next year. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you. I thank you for the gift of your son. I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. I thank you for the peace that we have with you vertically. I thank you for the inner peace that we can have. I thank you for the peace that we can have um, in our relationships with one another. I pray for opportunities for us to share that peace that we have with people in our community, maybe our friends and family as we gather together this Christmas season. God, I just pray that you would continue to draw each of us into a closer relationship to you. God, I look forward to all that you have for us as we prepare to finish this year strong and enter the new year of 2021. I know there's something coming in 2021. Whatever it is, God, we know that we can trust you with it. And so, God, just continue to give us peace. We look forward to all that you have for us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing this next song together, and then uh, the lights are going to come down. We're going to sing Silent Night together. Uh, when we start singing Silent Night, you should have a lighter in your bag uh, for those candles. And so we want to encourage you to just light your candles. Uh, the kids should have a little light you can break. And then we're going to celebrate as we sing Silent Night together. I'm so glad that you are with us this evening. I just pray that God will continue to bless you and, uh, and keep you. We look forward to all that God has for you.